Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Coming at you live from the B&E studio here in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. How's everybody doing? It's a not-so-serious podcast day, Evan. That it is, Brandon. That it is. I like this because sometimes it's just you don't want to think. You just want to go. It's yeah. like, let's just do this thing. Think less, do more. That's what this day is about. Yeah. 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 And I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. There's something to be learned from that. <laughs> so we'll get into some stuff and see what happens. Mmm. Mmm. You're enjoying it. That is good. All right. Hold on. I'm going to take it. We're going to get the beer. Let's just talk about the beer right off the top. Okay. This is, uh, all right. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. That's very good. That's, um, we do a beer on every podcast, by the way. It isn't a, 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 if it's your first time listening, this podcast isn't about beer. It's about artistry and industry. But, uh, this started because Evan and I would, you know, we'd have a beer, we'd get together and we'd write a script. And then, you know, it started always the first half hour, an hour or whatever, us talking about our own artistic careers, the challenges and struggles and things we were working on, you know, being artists and also having careers as artists. And so then the beer kind of became a tradition when the podcast started. So we always do a beer. Yep. So what do you think of it? Evan? It's, that's so good. Especially today. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's warm, it's sunny. Um, this has got a nice cloud to it. I'm going to say this is some kind of like, this is some kind of a wit beer or a white ale. Um, it's citrusy. It's kind of got the coriander hit, but not super strong. That's something I find with white ale sometimes. Like the coriander is really strong in it and almost tastes like you're drinking something savory mm-hmm. almost. Um, but this is really refreshing and yummy and I'm going to drink it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I'm enjoying it too. Uh, so this was a Steamworks, and it's their summer ale. Okay. And it's got an orange zest to it. Right. With okay. orange zest. That's the citrus you're getting. So yeah, there's no uh, further description on it. It's got a big no. sun. It's a big orange can, you know? Yes. Well, it said, you know, it said summer ale. So I figured it and would be why good not? Cause it considering is we're in the, the middle summertime. of summertime. I'm just looking at the rest of this best Heidelberg wheat, orange peel, lemon peel, grains of paradise. <laughs> so All you're pretty, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty spot on with that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't say why I, this is, but this is definitely like, uh, you know, like a white ale, yeah. but beer kind of thing. So good. Very right. summery can. You can keep yeah. that over there and top yourself. Yeah, up. I don't think we've, uh, we've had this one. We've definitely had Steamworks on before. They do terrific stuff. They're one of, they were one of the first, uh, brewers in town before it really took, took off. Took off here in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. They've been doing this, been in the game a long time. Cool. Well, well that's a good sign if your, uh, your first sip got you to be like, we need to talk about this beer right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh yes, that demands that demands a little bit of conversation mm-hmm. off the top. Um, oh, great. So, so uh, yeah, let's so, talk about something artistry and industry. Sure. Why not? Somehow. So you, you're uh, working on a new song, your second song now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. this. Tell well, me about it. Um, yeah. So I, I had started working on 
I mean, I'm almost done recording my first song, which was very, like, challenging. Like, I feel like it got a massive education within one week, because mm. basically it was like, I met up with and did a studio thing, like, two Thursdays in a row, and I feel like I just received an education in recording and how a lot of that goes. Uh, and then I actually got the opportunity to, with the guys who I was recording with, cause we're just like, they have like a, a pretty simple setup, like in like a garage essentially. Um, but then they went and they were doing some recording in a big studio here in town. Uh, and I got to watch them like put some stuff together and like in a crazy recording room and stuff. I was just chilling out on the leather couches, watching them, you know, yeah. going, it was really neat. Um, but yeah, so that it, I got all of that. And then, uh, I just went out the other day. It was a beautiful day. Didn't have anything I had to do. It was kind of like a, a me day. I went down to the beach, took my guitar with me. I'm like, Oh man, I'll take my guitar. I'll take my, my songbook with me. I was, who knows? I don't know. And, uh, and then I, I saw this like girl on the beach and, and, uh, and I just kind of got like this, this groove in my head, this like song in my head. And I just wrote this song, sat on the beach for, you know, I don't bang this thing out in probably like an hour and a half, two hours, like put together the lyrics, the chords, the arrangement, like had everything done like that, which is a far cry from where this first song was. I was like, Oh, okay. And like, I feel like I took a lot of the knowledge and the things I learned from the first song in was able to kind of simplify my own process the second time around. But this time it just kind of came out like the song, just like easy. Mm. It just flowed. Like, you know, I tinkered with it a little bit as I was trying to figure out this or that, but in many ways I didn't think about it too much which I, I think was part of the issue with writing my first song. Thought about you it know, too much? Was, was thinking about it too much. And I kind of had to hack my own brain in order to get it out. Right. Cause I'm, I'm actually very, I'm very proud of, of that, this first song that we've gone to recording. And, and when I say first song, I mean the first one that I've ever really committed to, like I've tried writing songs in the past. If anyone's heard me talk about this in other podcasts, I, you know, when I was younger, I tried writing stuff and I always hated it. Hmm. Um, and now I've understood why I always hated them. And it was because it's just like, it was definitely thinking too much, working way too much from my head, trying to be clever, trying to be, you know, sound really smart and, and deep or hmm. some shit like that in, in music, as opposed to just saying something honestly or working from something that's a little bit, I don't know, muckier. Hmm. you know, something that isn't quite so definitive. You just kind of wade around in like a soup of sorts. Sure. Um, so for the first song, I kind of had to hack myself and I had some good suggestions, but what I ended up doing was with the music that I had, I just literally wrote everything like every sort of little, little thing that, that kind of popped into my mind, every little sort of whatever. And how the song then ended up coming into being what it was, was like kind of like a cut and paste process after that. So it was like, there were whole lines that I'm just like, Nope, not using that, not using that. Like 
probably half the lyrics got crossed out. Mm. Um, but some of them got reapplied in a different way. They got like sort of re-expressed in a new line or whatever. Like they just, but it all got rearranged. Nothing was in order. It wasn't like a really nice, like, okay, we've got verse one, you know, like <laughs> bridge chorus verse two. It was all over the place. It mm. was like, Oh, okay. So, uh, I'll stick this in, in the verse. I like this for the verse. I like this for the verse and this will be the chorus. And I will stick this in for the chorus. It was kind of like that. Um, and it, and it has ended up working as I, as I, I feel it has, hmm. at least they tell me that I'm like, no, this is a good song. <laughs> like it's actually a good song. I'm sitting there like battling my ego. Cause I'm like, this is shit. This is shit. And these guys are putting all these hours into like <laughs> helping me record this song. And they're like, this song is shit and blah, 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 which they even said is funny. Cause you like, in some ways you never really get over that because yeah. they go into the studio and they're like, is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> is this shit? I don't know. It's like, are these guys like these professionals? Cause they're in like working in a, you know, in a really gorgeous studio mm. to record some stuff. And, uh, and they're like, Oh my God, is this garbage? But it's great what they're doing too. Um, but then this one that I just wrote on the beach, it did, it all came like verse, like verse chorus, second verse, like, and it all just kind of came out. Like it was, awesome. it was yeah. Yeah. It was you're a really probably, awesome experience. You're probably relaxing into it a little bit more. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, you're, uh, you're getting, uh, you're getting a sense of like, okay, I kind of think I, I know what I'm doing. Maybe a little sense of groundedness and, um, you know, and so putting together, putting together the initial steps of a system, you know, you're not totally out there going like, where do I even, what do I even do here? Yeah. And I, I think that, um, it's an exciting time because in the, I think in the beginning of any artist endeavor, that's kind of what it's like at first. It's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And then you can yeah. almost do nothing because you just don't even know where to start. It's like overwhelm. It's like whatever. Yeah. And then I think you're in that, st- you're, you're getting into that stage. It's a really wonderful stage where it's all new to you. You're like a newborn to it. So you're getting the initial steps of a system. I think I would not be surprised if you continue on with this process where you, you'll start to think, you know, your system and then you're going to have to obliterate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I think that's what happens. It's like this interesting thing. So it'll be cool to kind of document your, if you continue with this to document your yeah. process of songwriting, you know, yeah. as you go through it. Cause like not too often do I think we get to hear someone actually talk about it from the beginning all the way to wherever you go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to have, uh, we're lining up some pretty terrific, um, musicians to come on. I'm, I'm excited to like, listen to what they have to say Mm -hmm. a little bit more about their process. Cause I'm just starting to discover it myself. And I mean, I've always loved, um, the story of Tom Waits and how he sees songwriting. This is like, some of them are, you know, they just like appear to you like, out of the air. It's like, you can see them scrolling across your face. And he's like, others, he's like, are like digging up potatoes from the earth. And mm. like, he has like a re- kind of a very interesting poetic way of describing how, you know, songs basically saying that like, no, I, every song kind of happens differently. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of realized that's part of the process. It's like, okay, this one's got to be done this way. This one's going to be done this way. It's not, I just got like his set way. Mm-hmm. Though I'm sure there are a lot of artists who do kind of have a way that 
is pretty consistent for them to work. Um, but yeah, no, this has been interesting just in that, like, obviously I think that the, the kind of the ease or the, the greater sense of ease that I had in writing this, the second song was partially confidence and, and having had some experience and stuff in, in doing it and trusting myself a little bit more, hmm. uh, in all of it. Cause I think getting that first song out and not just getting it out, but being then forced into a situation to play it for people and like to, and do it over and over and over again. And not only that it was doing the vocals, doing the vocals was such a nerve wracking experience for, for myself. Mm. Cause it's like, I always thought that I've got a decent voice, but I just don't sing that, that often. Right. And for the purposes of recording, it was like, there's, it was just like, there's no holding back. It's like, you've got to just like, let it rip. There was no kind of like how I normally do at home of kind of singing loudly enough for like myself to hear, or maybe somebody who was very close in the immediate vicinity to hear. Yeah. But like, otherwise, like I sing such a low, low audible voice. So it's mostly for myself. And now I've got to sing and the mic's got to pick it up. Mm. Right. And that shit just don't cut it. Like it's got to like go out. So I'm with these musicians who I've heard before. I'm like, man, these guys are great. And I've heard their, their music. And I just like, holy shit. Like I feel the pressure on myself and, and all of this doubt in myself, but then having faced that gone through it and then just actually gone for it and put it out there. It's like, okay, you know, you kind of just get over it. Hmm. And, uh, so I think part of the experience really helped that. I was also going to say, I think part of what's helped as well is, um, I I think it was just on our last podcast when we were talking about, um, intentions and, and affirmations. And I said, at the end of that, I'm like, I'm going to start doing this. You know, I'm going to commit to doing this for like a month, I think is what I said. And I've been, you know, I, I came up with some like intentions, affirmations for myself to do every single day. And they've actually been like popping up now in, in my life. Oh, good. And one of it has to do with my creativity. Right. Mm. And was, and I, I say to myself every, every day, um, I create, uh, uh, confidently, freely and joyfully. And that was really kind of how my entire experience was with writing the song hmm. and how it was coming out. It was just like, it's like, yeah, I didn't feel, it just felt like it just kind of flowed. Hmm. Like it just kind of rolled. Even when I was trying to work something out that I didn't quite know where I was going to take it or what was going to happen. I was just like, no, it was just me kind of like playing with it and tinkering around as opposed to like, I've got to get this. Hmm. Right. It was just like a, a really fun experience. Yeah. I mean like, Oh yeah, that works. That's really nice. And you know, you write it down and it's, and it's a rewarding process too, is when you start to find these, these little things Mm. in the, in the songwriting process. Yeah. It's similar in a lot of ways to screenwriting. I find is like, you know, there's these moments that kind of surprise you. There's these things and it's like songwriting is kind of the same way. It's like, there's these little, word plays or these little rhymes or these little things that kind of take you by, by surprise. And you go, Oh, that's really cool. Or like, you just find that you just dial in this perfect little 
little musical thing that just like hits the mark so right. Mm. And it just feels right. Yeah. And like, there's this huge sense of reward from that. The nice thing about uh, doing it with songwriting is that it's like, well, it's a song. So it kind of like happens like, like that sometimes with screenwriting or something, it's like you're working, you're plugging at it. And then it takes, and then you come across something that you go, Oh shit. Like that was great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I can relate. I mean, I, you know, I think, uh, screenwriting is interesting. Like I've written so much now, like sometimes, you know, I have a whole process that I teach people. And I think that that process is really important. And I encourage people to learn it because what I found with screenwriting is like, once you know all the rules really well, then you can break them all really well. Yeah. But when you don't know them, you don't know when you're breaking them, you usually run into trouble and it's very, very difficult to fix. And a lot of the time when, when I see people who say they know how to write and they, uh, they don't understand certain principles about writing, they end up getting themselves into a lot of trouble, especially with features. With shorts, it's not quite as bad because they're more like a music video in some ways. There's a lot of more flexibility and they're shorter. But with the features, yeah, there's a lot of content to go through. With a song, it's kind of like, it's a little bit more like a short. So, you know, so you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to uh, have as much structure, as much rules necessarily to be able to make something really kind of work. And, um, you know, I don't know, I'm not really a songwriter, but, uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit. I, I imagine if you put together a whole album, that would be like putting together a feature. Yeah. It's like putting together a song is kind of like doing a short, but it's the same as a filmmaker, or a screenwriter. It's like, if you do a short, that's like one of your songs on your album. Right. You know, right now, um, when I, one of my producing mentors has got me, um, basically going down this road of like launching my film career, like my filmmaking career. Yeah. Um, you know, cause my screenwriting career is taken off. It's, it's going well. I mean, though I'm definitely not short of work. I mean, there's lots of options coming through. Um, but if I really want to kind of have the career I really want to have, and, um, you know, I want to be the filmmaker and make the big stuff and get, get the financing that I really want. He's encouraging me to go down the road of actually making five short films. So in right. a sense, what he's kind of encouraging me to do is to create my album, right? Create my first album. And, and it's interesting, you know, I, so I'm going down this process. I mean, uh, he, he's kind of encouraging me with, with the two things. Like the, the thing with the play is more for me. It's, you know, yeah. that's one of my alarms going off. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything so, can happen on the podcast. <laughs> well, that's uh, a pretty rare thing that happens. On yeah. Here. That doesn't happen too often. But, um, anyway, so he's encouraging me to kind of go down this road and, you know, and basically like, um, you know, make these films. And when I do this, this play and this first feature that I want to do, it's not necessarily for, for making the money, but, um, you know, it's something that's more like a fulfilling thing and a self-fulfilling kind of thing. And I think it'll be really great either way. But, uh, I was listening to long and the short of it. I was listening to something last night. I was listening to Tony Robbins talk, you know, Mm. I I was kind of having a hard heart myself and I went for a big walk and I was listening to some Tony Robbins and one of the, he was talking about this musician who was very successful in part of his career and then kind of went through this rut and he was helping this musician kind of get out of this rut and kind of get back to where, what helped them to be successful initially. And it, it came out that the, uh, the, the songwriter basically wrote for the weight waste basket that every song they created was designed to be thrown away, Mm. not to be kept. 
Right. And then what ended up happening was they would write and write and write, and then they would keep the stuff they liked and they would throw away the stuff they didn't. And I found that with, you know, that resonated with me because I found with screenwriting, that's so true. Like screenwriting was, you know, you write and you write and you write and everything you write that like, you don't plan on even making a fraction of it, you know? Yeah. You make a, you make a tiny little bit of it, you know? And the thing is, is, well, I guess you make a fraction of it. You plan to make only a small thing. And what ends up happening is nothing becomes too precious and everything's easy to write. And, and when I, uh, wrote this latest, uh, feature, um, and I've written many, many features before, as you know, but like, uh, this one, um, it came out in two days, two half days. It just poured out of me, but I made a key decision beforehand, which, you know, I'm, I'm going to replicate here moving forward. But I decided that I simply needed to write it and not think about it too much and not worry if it was good or not. Yeah. I simply just had to write the story and trust that the story I was writing was going to be enough. And it's been a really interesting thing because this script has gotten so much good feedback and it's like been opening some really interesting doors, but I wrote it not to be commercial, not to make money. Yeah. I did everything. Like I went against a lot of the rules that like, you know, uh, a lot of producers and people are always kind of saying, you know, you kind of got to do this and whatever. And just from the business side of it, you kind of do. But, but what's really interesting is I found a certain kind of signature in my work. Mm. Now the script in certain ways is not going to be like, it's, it's not designed to necessarily be highly financed, but what it did do was it opened up doors to show, to show really what my, what I'm capable of as a writer. Now, if you take what I took there, what I wrote with this script and you put in say a higher concept thing, it's kind of showing that like I can take writing and do it not just to others, but to myself. Yeah. And so this has been an exciting thing. So like, I think, um, you know, I think the thing that I'm learning as I go through this and it's probably, you know, it's, it's probably similar for you, but you got to let go a little and the more you let go, the easier things come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's, yeah, it's, it's the, the whole creative thing is so interesting. And, and one thing I want to get into is this whole idea of, of, you know, with this one songwriter or whatever, who's like, they, they wrote it to throw it away. And, you know, it's not necessarily that you write stuff to throw it away. Obviously I think, you know, you want everything to be, to be great, but it isn't going to be. And I think that's part of the creative process. Like for myself, this first song, like there were line, like the whole thing was like marked up and scratched out and whatever this and that, even though at the time I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like this, you know, the, the thought, the idea, I understood where it came from. It wasn't necessarily that it wasn't, um, that it was kind of bullshit or that it didn't come from, from the song, but it just wasn't meant to be in the song. It was just an idea. That was kind of an interesting thing that struck me about it. It's like, oh no, this was just an idea to help influence the direction of the song, but it was never meant to actually be in it. Mm. Right? Like, and, and I think that that it's an important thing for us to realize. Cause I think sometimes we get so precious about hanging on to the stuff that we create, you know, and it's, you know, sometimes it's meant to be destroyed. Sometimes it's the stuff is meant to be thrown out because it was only kind of a, a stepping stone or it was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it was, 
the gateway a uh, channel. Yeah. A gateway. Uh, but basically to, um, for something else to happen. Mm. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. You right. know, but like, cause I know like I've looked at stuff that I've, I did, I, you know, a while back I was going through, I was clearing out some storage and saw an old painting that I'd done in high school. And in high school, I was really quite proud of it. I was like, oh, I didn't really take art class through most of high school. I just kind of like took it on cause why the hell not? And I'm like my last year. And I did this painting. I was like, Oh yeah, this is like one of the, you know, the best things I've, I've done. And so I saw that I've been hanging on to this painting for years and years and years now. It's just been sitting in storage. I threw it out. No, I have no bad feelings about that. I'm glad I threw it out. Hmm. Took a little picture of it on my phone. I'm like, you know what? I'll save this for posterity. Yeah. I'm like, am I going to put this up? No. Yeah. Is this like, was I proud of having done this in high school? Yeah, I was. Does like, as, and in some ways, was I still somewhat like, you know, pleased with looking back on it? Sure. But it doesn't really like, it doesn't really matter to Mm. me. Like, I think claiming our ability to like, to let things go, to even like destroy, throw out our work makes us stronger. I think so too. Actually, I went through this, uh, I went through this the other day. I, I went into my hard drive of my computer, which has been full because, you know, I've been doing work for so long that things have just built up and as hard drives do. Yeah. They build up (laughs) and the operating system, basically my hard, my whole computer was slowing down. Like it wasn't working. It wasn't functional. It was, you know, and I was like, okay, I need to do this. And I went through and I just decided I would be lethal. And I deleted some stuff and I was like, okay, like this is just, it's going, it's just yeah. going. And the thing is, is like, it was hard to do, but once it was gone, I was like, man, that feels good. Like I cleared, like, you know, I mean, people understand computer talk. I cleared off like a good, like 60, you know, 80 gigs off of my hard drive. Right. And it's yeah. running smooth and it had space and it created room for me to do new things. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I think the thing is, is like a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, we're too precious about the other thing too, about being an artist and, and, you know, just kind of get down to brass tacks a little bit. Like what is there like seven, eight million, eight billion people in the world, right? Like yeah. everybody can create an idea. You know, if everybody created one idea, you've got 8 billion and, and everybody has more than one idea. Yeah. You know, everyone's so, got a billion ideas. Yeah. So billion time billion, right? Like it's like, it gets, it gets crazy. But the thing is, is like, what separates someone who has an idea that's actually worth keeping around and making and being valued versus someone who's got an idea that's nothing. And I would argue that the person who has an idea that's really valid, other than the, the anomaly where their first idea by happenstance and by no real effect of themselves, other than the fact that it was maybe something that you know, it was luck of the draw, random anomaly. Most people who just have one idea have no idea at all. Mm. It's usually people who have had, you know, literally hundreds and thousands of ideas. And by the time you get, you know, you get through all of those ideas, so you have something that really works. And the thing is, is once you begin to find something that works, then you can, you know, it doesn't take another 
hundred thousand ideas to come up with another thing that works. It takes a, like a lot less. And if you yeah. come up with two, it takes a lot less to come up with three and then so on. And I would argue that the problem really with most people is that they're not persistent they're, with their ideas. They're not resilient about them. They're, they're not, um, they're not willing to, to do work for nothing. And the thing is, is here, this is why I'm bringing up this point is like, I, I want to call those artists out that are working for, they say is a point. Mm. Cause I've, I've done this before. And I think all I ever did was shoot me in the foot. But if you're working to say one day I'll get an Oscar or one day I'll win this award or one day I'll be famous or one day I'll make a million dollars. You know what? I'm going to just break it down to you right now. You're probably not going to be a very successful artist. And if you are successful, you're not going to be a very impactful artist. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason why I say that is because you are immediately, once you make that decision, monumentally limiting your ability to be able to actually express what you're capable of. Because if you are doing something for like, if I do this, then the exchanges, I get this, you'll always sabotage whatever it is you're doing. The, the, the thing that a person needs to do is they need to do it because inside of themselves, they enjoy the fact that it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be neat if I did this thing? Think of this here. Hear me up. Think about when you were a little kid, when you went out and did something or you played a game or you created something, it wasn't like, I'll do this and then I'll get that. It really wasn't. It was actually, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Wouldn't it be cool if we went and, and, you know, checked out the Creek or, you know, jumped off this thing or did that thing or created this thing or, or heard ourselves like recorded our voices. Wouldn't it be cool? That's like, wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be fun? That's what little kids do. And the thing is, is that's why little kids are little geniuses in certain ways. They, they do these really amazing kind of things. If you've hung around kids enough, you start to find that out, you know, start to realize that's what happens. And then as we become adults, we, we live in a world that tries to motivate us and encourage us to do stuff. So what do we do? We take those ideas and we try to apply them to things we already like. And so this is when I'm, I'm discovering yeah. more and more. And I go, you know, when I was at my best or when I have been at my best and when I am at my best, it's because I want to do it because there's something in me that goes, wouldn't it be cool if the, if, if I did this, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be fun? Yeah. And the thing is, is like, if I do, it's like, I'll do this and then I'll get that. It's never worked out as well. And, um, you know, it's taken me, I think long enough to realize this lesson. I think some people go through their whole lives. They don't even ever learn it. But I mean, the sooner you learn this, and I think you need to look at whatever it is you're doing. I would be creating a song, writing a script, making a movie, doing a painting, whatever it is. Ask yourself right now, are you doing it as a, is it contingent on something else? Or are you doing it because wouldn't it be cool if you did it? And this takes a certain amount of inner honesty, but what I want to call out on, on artists and people in general right now is that if you change your life, to wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be awesome? Magically you fill in the word. If we did this thing just for doing it, you will find out what you're really capable of. If you're doing it contingency based, based on I'll do it so that I get this. That's probably where 99.9% of your problems are as far as creativity and artistic and, and greatness and potential all, all, all are. Think about when you started your songwriting 
thing. Yeah. Wasn't it? I'll do it as long as it's good, as long as it's this, as long as I get this validation, as long as there's something, right? Yeah. But if you do it now, wouldn't it be cool? Like you see this woman there, you go, wouldn't it be fun to like write a story? Really? That's all that's going on in that moment. That's all that's going on. So it comes easy. And the, and the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's also kind of clear to me more and more now, as I'm seeing this kind of come through, maybe it's just visualization exercise. I've been doing this meditation thing, but like, it's become more and more clear to me that all the things that I want, all the success I want, all the money I want, all the things I want are not contingent there. Wouldn't it be cool if this happened as opposed to like, I'll do it if I'll get this. So, you know, we talked about why don't people do visualization exercises? Why do we drop off the bat? off the ball. And I realized, cause I had a challenging day yesterday. And I realized, you know what, you know, what knocks me off is my visualization and my affirmation and meditation stuff becomes contingent on something. It's like, well, I did it for this long and it didn't work out. So I'm not going to do it anymore. That's probably really, if I'm honest with myself, it's probably yeah. how it happens. But I decided like, well, no, I need to, I need to change my relationship to why I even do this. The, the thing is, is that wouldn't it be cool if I had an excess of money or wouldn't it be cool if I was traveling through Europe or wouldn't it be cool if I was making this movie? Not like I'll do it so that I can get it. But, but yeah, but I get to kind of get in the practice of experiencing what it would be like. Wouldn't it be great? And so what ends up happening is because you take out the contingency, because I take out the contingency, nothing can really throw me off course anymore. If you think about all the things that have ever thrown you off course, it's because you had something that was contingent on something else. So you created a dependence as opposed to an independence, right? As opposed to an interdependence with it. But you, you, you know, you got to find inside yourself what you find fun and enjoyable and exciting and do it simply because you want to do it inside of yourself. That's where all true potential is. That's where, that's where I think flow actually exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're doing something for its own sake. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we've brought it up and, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, but you know, you bring up that question of just like, if like, if you would, you were never going to become famous, if you were never become going to become, you know, uh, a, a millionaire doing this, would you still do it? Right. And if the answer is no, then find something else to do because it's like, you like, you will never, the thing that it is that you want to arrive to, even if you get it, like once you've arrived, you now what, now what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's this, yeah, it's this weird way that we have of, of setting ourselves up for in our lives. And we kind of, and it's kind of setting ourselves up to fail in many ways. Um, but yeah, it's like, it should be something, you know, whatever it is you're doing, it really, would you do it anyways? You know, like, would you just do this anyways without, without any of this stuff necessarily coming back to you? Would you do it anyway? Like, that's the big question I think to, to sort of show yourself what it means to you. Mm you know, what does this mean to you? What does it really mean to you at its core? And it's like, if, if your answer is, is no, you wouldn't do it unless it got you, you know, to something, 
then I think that you're in for a real bumpy ride. I think Not so, just yeah. in art. Like art is just, I think can be a very dramatic way that it all occurs. Right. Because art is just like, it's like, it's kind of a feast or famine, do or die, almost kind of like industry in yeah. general. Um, well, you tend to do it. You tend to do art for intrinsic reasons initially. Yes. I mean, even if you think you're doing it for, uh, external reasons, you're, you're usually doing it. If you actually do the thing, cause you like doing the thing, you're usually doing it for an internal reason. Aside from, you know, there, I'm, I'm sure some people like get into acting for, you know, and things like that where they go, well, I'm going to do this because I think it's, you know, it's so funny. They're like, I think it's an easy way to make money or an easy way to kind of, you know, whatever. Um, but this, or I want to be famous or it's something like that. Right. And so, you know, if you think about it though, contingency based motivation is based on lack. I, I will do this because I'm lacking in that. So if I get this, it will fix my lack. Thing is, is it's a really interesting argument. It's actually kind of a philosophical argument, but when you take money off the table, would you still do how much of what you do right now? Would you still do right? If you take money yeah. off the table. Now, if you took money off the table, what would you do instead? And then the next question is, why aren't you doing that already? So basically what you're saying right now is I'm not doing, if you're not doing it and you would do it, like basically here's, here's how it works. A lot of people have jobs they don't like. Yeah. So they make money in some way that they don't actually like to make money. Like they do it and they don't love their job. I'm not saying everybody, some people love their job and that's Mm -hmm. great. But a lot of people work jobs where they don't like to make their ends meet. And that's what they do. So you go, okay, well you have all the money you need. You don't need any more money. Would you still do your job? A lot of people will say, no, I won't do my job anymore. What would you do instead? Well, I would do this. Are you already doing that? No. Well, why aren't you doing that? Here's the next thing. You basically said what you want to do is contingent on this. So basically just, just think about that for a minute. That means that your life has been set up so that, um, you don't do things unless certain things are here. What would happen if you, if you turned your life around and you actually did things and they weren't contingent on something else? Yeah. What if you actually did what you wanted and it wasn't contingent on something else needing to be in place for you to do what you wanted? Now, it, when you start to get into this, there's the reverse problem immediately starts to happen. So if you do the things you really want to do, why do you begin to make those things contingent on something else? So you create the same problem. You just do it the other yeah. way. And then the, the problem is, is you actually create what is essentially a hamster wheel and people don't know why they're not getting anywhere mm. because any type of contingency, like I love you if you do these things is right. not love. What that is, is you, you, do my, my world the way I want you to do it. And I will give you the things I think you want so that it'll seem like you're getting what you want. And really what happens is we've set up our life and it's so fake. It's so false. And it's just a big lie. And then what ends up happening is we go through these crises. We go through these moments where we're like, does it mean anything? What does it matter? Like, do you know, like what's my whole life? And you get closer to the more you get to the end of it, the more this becomes a problem because you start realizing I'm running out of life. I'm running out of life. And, and I didn't set up the contingencies I needed to do life the way I wanted to do it. And I also have been doing what I said I wanted to do, but it's been contingent on something else. So I haven't really been doing it. 
all along I haven't been living my life. So this is why, and you know, and I just kind of want to refer to our last talk. This is why the whole abundance and gratitude thing is so important Mm. because when you're in abundance and when you're in gratitude and you see how grateful you are for what you have, you, you don't do things on contingency anymore, Yeah, which is actually what helps you to live your life. And ironically, because you don't need it, you get it. We've talked about this before. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting. It is very interesting. You were telling me right. about this thing with your song going so quickly. I, I just wrote this script as fast script I've ever written. Yeah. I would argue that we probably did these things without contingencies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like for me, it was just like, I like my, my only thing was just like to write a song, see if I can write another song that I like. Maybe that's my only, like my, that was my only contingency was like to try and write a song I like. But again, that's not even something you really have to think. Cause like, you don't start to be like, I'm going to write a shitty song. No. I want to write a shitty song today. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, like I just want to write a song, you know, maybe something that's somewhat pleasing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, uh, what there was something in there that you said, I was like, Oh, that's, that's so cool. Like it was, I had a thought it was there. <laughs> it was gone. Um, it'll come back. It usually does. Let me go back. Let me just say something. Think about that for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, another little thing that I was taught, uh, I was listening on this Tony Robbins talk. I do this. I listen to Tony Robbins a little bit because, you know, uh, back in the day when my parents had lost everything and, you know, we lost our mansion, all our money, all this stuff. And I was living in a trailer park with my dad. We used to listen to Tony Robbins and we used to kind of use, uh, some of his motivational techniques to help us kind of get, you know, to shake off the cobwebs to kind of get going again. And I found it useful. So sometimes when I'm having a little bit of a, a low, I'll just turn on the Tony Robbins and get it myself. You know, a lot of it I've heard a lot, but uh, I think he has some good points. But one of the things that, um, what was it? One of the things that he was talking about, now, now I'm forgetting it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. Um, but he was, he was <laughs> shit. Mine came back to me. All right. You go ahead. I'll come back to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll trade. We'll trade. Back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I was just like, it's, it's so interesting. You're talking about like this whole thing of motivation and I was saying like, yeah, it's like, we're, we're just, I was kind of like tracing back through my life of when I was like, I wanted to be an actor, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, grew up, I used to like watch lots of movies and stuff like that, you know, as a kid. And, but then it was like, it, it even started before that, where it was like make believe. I just loved make believe. I loved pretending, you know, I was whatever. I mean, most kids, I think a lot of kids enjoy doing make believe. They're doing it all the time. I used to start doing it with like movies though. I'd see movies, I'd be influenced and then I'd want to make believe that I was in that world. I'd want to just because I liked it. Um, and it was fun to pretend that, you know, and to have this sort of fantasy. Right. And then I got a little older and then it was like, I realized that some of my ability to, um, to impersonate, to mimic or to do certain voices or to perform in a certain way, entertain people. Hmm. People really liked it. I was like, Oh, people really like th- this thing that I, that I do. 
It's entertaining. And I like that. I like that other people like this. So now I'm starting to do it because other people like it a little bit more. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm, I'm doing it a little bit more now because other people like it. And then now, and then I get a little older than that. And suddenly I was doing it to be, it was like, now it's becoming a thing, right? It's becoming a thing. It's like, okay, well, what do you do with this? Oh, you got to become, you got to become an actor, but you got to become famous, right? You got to be a big actor, Mm. right? So now the thing is to become famous. Although at a certain time in my life, I wouldn't have ever admitted to that, even though it was probably the truth that like I was actually motivated or trying to motivate myself to be famous, right? Through using this thing. And you all while you're getting a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further away from where you all, from where it all began, which is still a pure and honest place. But now I'm at a place and it's at that point I got to a place where like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of doing this cause I want to be famous. I want to be a big deal. Right. And then it hits a point where it's like, Holy shit. Like my work isn't, I'm not enjoying my work anymore. And I don't seem to be getting anywhere close to this being famous thing. Holy shit. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Right. And, and that was a crisis point for me. And coming back. And now I, I feel like I'm getting more into an intrinsic motivation as an artist, not even necessarily so much, um, as an actor, I would say it's just like, you know, I still have a, have a huge love for acting and, and respect and, and enjoyment out of it. Um, but in many ways I find myself more so motivated by sort of the creative process itself, you know, in, in the way that we explore it on this podcast or how I'm doing it in music now in how, um, as a teacher and helping other people find this creative thing, finding, in many ways, I think that that's what I teach people when come to think of it is teaching sort of an experience. I like to try and help people find an experience of acting and their work that is more intrinsic. That's more like you're doing it because of this experience. Mm. Because I, that was a thing for me. It was like, I was looking to find something more in my work. I was like, I'm, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Right. I don't enjoy it anymore. And I started to find, climb my way back to it. I had an experience of acting again as an adult way later that was like something somewhat to what it was as, as a kid, though with a greater deal of understanding and experience and world knowledge, right. To bring a more intentional impact to, to the work and to the experience of it. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. But it's like, it, it, I had to go a long way. So now it's like, I'm really interested in teaching actors. Like, here's how to have an experience of something that like, you want to do this just to do this. And I'm going to show you what that thing is that you want, right? Here's where it is. Once you start working from this place, you're going to start having a hell of a lot more fun at doing this. And then the rest isn't going to be so important anymore. Well, it's not going to be so hard either. And not so hard. So it's very interesting. Like as you were talking about this whole thing with motivation, I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like how we sort of get so 
as we get older, from where we begin as kids who are just play, you're just doing it because it's fun. You know, I said, it's fun to, to do make believe it's fun to dress up and do, you know, cops and robbers or to play. I used to like playing karate kid. I don't even know what that is. Play karate kid. Basically what it meant is like, there's good guys and there's bad guys. and We're going to run around. We're going to kick them and we're going to punch them. And we're going to be like the good guys and we're going to be victorious kind of thing. You know, it was fun. Right. You know, just cause it was enjoyable. There's no reason for it beyond it's fun to do. Right. It's enjoy it. But for some reason, as we get older, there's got to be more of a reason. It's not grown up. It's not adult. It's not whatever to do something for its own sake anymore. It's all got to have a reason to do it. Right. And it's crazy. Like it's crazy. It's It's totally crazy. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the education we have is insane. I mean, you know, it's the blind leading the blind. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is that we grow up into a world where people have been led by blind and they are blind. And then they teach others to be blind. And then they act like they know where they're going. Here's the thing. People act like they know where they're going. If people just said, I'm fucking blind. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how this works. I can't see. I don't know what the future looks like. If people were fucking honest about it, we'd all go, oh, okay, shit. You don't know what the future looks. Neither do I. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's okay that I don't know what the future looks like. But what did our, you know, our parents and our teachers and our governments and all this stuff, what did they do? They said, look, this is the way this is the, you know, the gurus, all these people. I said, this is the way. And we all went, well, I can't see. So you must be able to see. And you seem like you figured out all you have is maybe a little more life experience. So I'm going to put the authority in your hands. I'm going to go down your path. And then what's yeah. happening is you become just as blind because now, you know, now we have a world that enforces and actually belittles anybody who doesn't know. And they call Mm -hmm. you, you call you dumb or slow or whatever. And so then what's happening is we pretend that we know as well and we perpetuate the problem. Yeah. I want to go back to what I, uh, the point that I missed. This is like a little, almost like a bit of a crazy corner talk that we're heading into. Yeah. But it's good. I mean, this is important stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, Tony Robbins thing that I forgot was, uh, he, he basically said like, okay, wealth, are you wealthy? What is wealthy? Well, it's a rhetorical question. Are you wealthy? A lot of people saying, well, no. Okay. Well, what would it take for you to be wealthy? Well, it would take this and that. And usually they relate it to some type of finance. Well, the thing is, is said, you're wealthy. Just think about how much wealth you actually have. You know, uh, you have wealth in wealth is just the capacity, the abundance in an area of your life. So, you know, if you have your health, you're wealthy there. If you have friends, you're wealthy there. If you have you know, there's a lot of ways in which you're wealthy that like finance is like a tiny money is a tiny fraction of that. Yeah. There's, there's an interesting thing though. How you show up in one aspect of your life is how you show up in every other. So if you believe you're not wealthy, what's going to end up happening is you're going to find poverty in all these other areas. Mm. But if you find wealth in all these other areas, what's actually going to end up happening with your finances in certain ways, you're going to go, well, Hey, look, I have all these skills. I have all these ways to make money. Therefore it's not that I, maybe I don't have the money right now, but I can get the money because I'm wealthy in all these areas and I can use these areas to provide value to get money. So it's, right. it's like a, it's a, it's a shift. So if you look at where you're poor, you will be poor. If you look at where you're wealthy, you will be wealthy in many ways. We, we, it's, you don't even have to listen to Tony Robbins. I mean, this is, this is, uh, many psychologists, many philosophers, many people have pointed out this fact yeah. that 
seek and you shall find your, what you program and what you put forth in your projection in your mind, you will create in your external world. Now, I just want to say one other thing. What you were talking about with your acting was you're helping actors to not pursue their acting for external things, but for internal things. And you know what? It's, it's interesting because Frank Kern pointed this out in his core identity exercise. We talked about this a long time ago that he got the cars, he got the mansion, he got everything, he got all the money and he was empty. He was more depressed than he ever been in his entire life because he realized that this pursuit of external things is always empty, that it needs to be internal. And his core identity exercise was what's the experience you're going for. Yeah. And so once you find out the experience you're going for, you, you don't necessarily, it doesn't matter about the Ferrari. What happens is the reason why you want the Ferrari is because you believe the Ferrari will give you an experience. And so when you start to be wealthy and experience, you can have the external thing or not have the external thing, but the external thing doesn't necessarily, but the problem is if you just go for the external thing, hoping to have the internal experience, it will be very temporary. It will be like a hit of crack cocaine and it will be gone and you'll need more and you'll need more and you'll need more. And, and, and so this is, this is the problem. This is the thing that we're constantly facing. So once we start to find out that like, wait a minute, I create the experiences. And if I don't even know the experience I'm going for, of course, I don't know what I want. I don't have any purpose or reason in my life. Here's one other thing I want to say, just to top this off. Top it off, sir. If I gave you two paths, answer this honestly. If yep. I gave you two paths, I said, look, Evan, one's going to be extremely fucking hard. You're going to have to climb mountains, go over hills. There's going to be thorns, prickles. There's going to be dangers. You're probably going to get hurt. You know, you're going to be ill-prepared for it. You're going to be cold. You're going to be wet and it's going to be tough. And I don't even know if you'll survive it. <laughs> and then there's another path. It's pretty straightforward you probably won't even get cut or hurt or anything. It'll be straight. It'll be easy. And it'll be, you know, and you can get where you want to go. Which path are you going to take? Probably the straightforward one. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. You're a smart guy. Cause if you were, if you were a dumbass, you would take the hard one. So why in the world would we ever take the harder path? Why would we ever do it? Well, the thing is, is that we are like water. Water will always take the easiest path. Most of our body is water. You know, if you just understand that you will always take the easier path. So if you, if you, if I told you that at the end of this thorny prickly high road that you'd have to take, that you might die on at the end. And during that experience, you're going to have some of the most amazing experiences of your life. Your experiences are going to be extraordinary. You're going to feel at the, while you're doing this and at the end of it, that you lived life to the fullest. You're going to feel so fulfilled. And, And I'll tell you something, if you survive and you make this trail, you are going to have tales to tell and people are going to look up to you and you're going to, you're going to be so proud of yourself. Even if you died halfway through the trail, you're going to be like, fuck, I died living. Yeah. But if you go down this straight path, which is going to be easy and you're not going to have any of that, you might actually get to the end of it and be on many times while you're on it going, what's the point? Is my life worth anything? And, and, and although the trail might not want to kill you, you might want to kill yourself. <laughs> now, which path do you want to take? I have to make it easier for you to do the high road than to do the low road. The reason why we take the low road in life is because yeah. we don't understand what we're, what the pain is. And sometimes the pain takes more, more, um, it, it takes more awareness than the straightforward obvious. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about human nature. We will always take the easier path. So if you want to do the hard thing in life, you have to make it easier to do the hard path 
than it is to do the quote unquote easy path. Yeah. You switch that, everything changes. So the the thing is, is that what did I, what did I change for you? I changed your experience of it. So you see how experience is the ultimate thing. Yeah. Right. If it was external, always take the low road, but if it's internal, you'll take the high road. That's why internal motivation is vitally more important. And your whole potential is, is in internal motivation. That's a very cool sort of little like analogy analogy <laughs> or just like sort of like imagination yeah. or just a little exercise to take through. Cause yeah, it's, it's so interesting how we work right that way. You know, it's just like, it's so interesting how we will, how we will shift, how, how easily we'll just pass on the, like the external thing when the internal thing is, is at stake. Yeah. But if we don't see, but that we don't internal, see how we do that in our lives. Like yeah. so, so many of us don't see how we do that in our lives. You know, how we take the safe route, right. And only t- to regret it later. Well, that's why, that's why people do jobs that are unfulfilling. That's why people, you know, that's why people have midlife, midlife crises. Yeah. That's why people have obesity. That's why people, you know, do all these things. Because when we pursue external rewards only, and we miss the boat on the internal motivation, that is the byproduct of it. That is the end result is that you end up fat and sick. But if you go down the high road, if you go up the high road, I should say, what ends up happening is, yeah, you will face adversity. You'll face all sorts of problems. If you're not doing it for external reasons, you'll find out that the life that you're experiencing is much it's, it's much more, there's more vitality. I mean, to climb the mountain, you have to be fit. You have to be healthy. You have to, you know, you have to plan because you know, what's going to happen is you're going to hit winter and you're going to be on the top of a mountain and it's going to have way more cold. You're going to be way out there and you're going to be alone because not as many people are up on that path. And so you have to plan and it takes, but you're still going to be hit with things that you didn't expect. Exactly. Yeah. And there's going to be obstacles to traverse and face and overcome and figure out how to get around that you wouldn't have to do on the straight path. But you need to have, you need to make it easier to do the hard path, quote unquote, hard path than it is to do the easy path. And if you make it easy, if you make the hard path easy, life becomes pretty like incredible. Well, it's really about just keeping perspective on the whole thing because it's like, you know, it's, it's ultimately a greater pain to take the other path, right? right? Like it seems and it appears, it gives the illusion of being the most safe path, but it's like, or the best path, but it's, it's under this idea of safety and it's under this idea of, um, and really comfort really. And it's like, that's such a, comfort, like there's nothing wrong with having comforts, but like just trying to be comfortable your whole life becomes so uncomfortable after a certain point in time, which is why I kind of, within that whole analogy, I'm just like, you know, I think a lot of people end up finding themselves and like they took the, the low path, the one that seemed like of least resistance and be like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to ignore the fact that I love to, you know, paint or draw or whatever it is, right? I'm going to ignore all of this stuff because that's silly. Silly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an accountant. Now there's anything wrong with being an accountant. Some people really are passionate about doing that. Boggles my mind. 
<laughs> but it's like, you're going to go and do, you're going to do this and you're doing this thing. And you're doing this thing. You're doing this thing. And it's getting, you, get, you know, it's getting you some great stuff. You know, you're like, oh, I've got a house, I've got a car and you know, and I, I take, uh, I get two weeks of vacation a year. <laughs> You know, North, that's North America, man. For a lot of the parts, like two weeks, you get yes. two weeks paid vacation. That's it. Yeah. I think in other places it's better than that. You get like a month, but still it seems crazy. Um, but you know, you get all this and then, so, and so now you're going with this and you're going through the motions and you're going through the motions, you're going through the motion. That's becomes your life, right? Your life just becomes going through the motions creeping ever closer to death, Mm -hmm. you know, and suddenly your comfort becomes super uncomfortable because you, you realize what's going on. Hopefully, you know, you wake up and you realize what's going on. You're like, holy shit, what am I doing? Yeah. And that happens, you know, like there's so many stories that have been told, you know, in movies and television shows and, and in Ted talks and whatever of, and documentaries of people just being like, holy shit what, like, like suddenly just getting smacked across the face with reality, which is like, what am I, like, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And is this bringing joy for a lot of people? It's like, it's no, you know, for some people, you know, it's like, it's the life of, uh, because I don't want to make this sound like it's a judgment. I just, because it's, it's not about saying one way is, is right or wrong over another, because it is absolutely possible to, you know, you, you work sort of a job and, you know, because maybe your, your purpose or what you always, the the only thing you ever wanted to do in your life was to have a family and raise kids, you know, like that's, that's awesome. You know, do that, do that thing but that's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of us go around, you know, go about our lives acting as if, oh, well, you know, we all want exactly the same thing. I mean, we ingest so many images, you know, in our culture of what we're supposed to be that, um, it can be a bit of a battle to, to go against that. Um, and it can be very confusing, not only for yourself, but for other people when you want to do it. Uh, Anyhow, to get back onto track, so what I'm what I'm saying around all of this is that eventually, if you're taking that low road, you're gonna decide you're jumping onto the high road. Yeah. From wherever you are, you're like, you know what? And and at this point, and in many ways, it almost becomes part of like you turn that low road into the high road. You know, like you make it into the high road and kind of realize that you are actually walking the high road, but you, sometimes you need that experience because that can become then part of your journey. That becomes part of that, that road. You go, Holy shit, what am I doing? And you have to get real uncomfortable. You know, maybe you've got to quit that job. You've got to end that relationship. You've got to, you got to move town, cities, countries, Yeah, something, you've got to do something big and drastic so you can start living you got you so you can start living the life that you want, right? And discover and put yourself onto that high road, put yourself into that place because it's ultimately less painful 
than the one that you were on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes too, and I, and I want to mention this too, because I think it's important. Sometimes the high road is doing what appears to be the safe choice. Sometimes it's like, you know, being, doing the responsible thing, you know, doing the thing that, you know, will, uh, basically like, you know, will basically, um, I don't know, plan for your future in certain ways. That's sometimes the high road. But the thing is, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all within reason. I mean, and it's all comes down to like kind of an inner honesty. You got to check in with yourself and see like, okay, like, am I doing, am, am I doing what is easy because it's easy and it's pre-made easy for me? Or am I doing what's actually aligning with my values? And the question becomes more complicated. I mean, basically you just want to do, you know, you just want to always ask yourself two questions. If I had all the money in the world, money was not an issue. Money was just taken care of and I had enough of it. What would I do? And not what would I do, but why would I do it? Why would I do it that way? What, what is the reasoning? What's the, ex- and then further go, after you go into the why, go, what's the experience I'm really looking for? Cause, cause that's where you ultimately want to get down the road to your intrinsic motivation. And it might take you a few questions to get there because we're not in touch with this. The next question you want to ask yourself is if I knew I was going to die by the end of today, or if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, or I knew I was going to die in a week or a month or a year. And you can ask this for each of the questions. If I knew I was going to die at 87, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, if I knew I was going to die a day, whatever, a week, a month, ask yourself all the questions. How would I do my life? And what you can do is you can find out if I knew I was going to die at the end of the day, this is what I would do in this moment right now. This is, this is what I would do because I have this many hours left to live this many minutes and they're this important. So they have to be done, but we don't, we, we don't, it's not necessarily great to live your life. If you're going to die today, because you know, you might as well just, you know, maybe you just do all the drugs. I mean, (laughs) have a good time, have a good ride out. So it's not really great to do that, but it's good to know. It's good to be aware of what you would do if you knew you were going to die at the end of the day. If you knew you were going to die at the end of the year, or the end of the month, it's a bit different. The, the answer becomes a bit different. If you knew you're going to die at the end of the year, the answer becomes a bit different from that. And then 10 years, and then say, you know, where you're expected to die. Well, what ends up happening is death is a great question to give you kind of a calibration because it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate kind of thing. Okay. Well, if I knew when the end was, I would do this. Well, we don't live like we know the end we live like we have all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that I think when you ask the 87 year old uh, question or the 115 year old question, like I'll die at this age, what ends up happening is you realize I don't want to live like I'm going to die at 115. I want to live like I'm going to die in the next year or three years or five years. I don't want to live as though I'm going to, you know, you actually would probably prefer death came earlier when you think about how you'd actually want to live. That's the, that's what you ultimately will probably find out. Yeah. And if you had the resources, you'd find out more what you really wanted to do, but you're not giving yourself permission to do. And, and so the thing is, is that what it takes for a lot of people and, you know, it's like this for all of us. I mean, you know, we have to get shaken out of this fucking slumber we're all in. 
but basically you go down this road where you get, you work this job for 15, 20 years and you get canned all of a sudden you get let go of, or, you know, you're, you, you are in this marriage and you're getting into a divorce over 50% of marriages end in divorce right now. I mean, what happens is the safe road all of a sudden becomes not so safe. And then people are going, well, shit, I did what I thought was supposed to be the secure road. And it turns out it's not so secure. And so then when it's happening is people will pick up. But what I, what I'd say is confront yourself with that right now, you know, give yourself that thing. What if I work this job and they let me go? What if I put my whole life into it and they let me go one day? And that's just how it happens. It's not fair, but life just happens. Am I okay that I spent all this time doing it? And if you're not make a decision, you know, you're getting into this relationship, you're getting married. I know you're about to do it go down this road of marriage. In my opinion, this is my opinion, not my humbly. So but go into this marriage going, I'm going to fucking do this marriage for all it's worth. And if it ends and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Because I'm, I did it while I was doing it. And if it ends and it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least while I was doing it, I was living it. Yeah. Because the thing is, is you don't know if it's going to work out. Hopefully it does. But the thing is, is that's not the point. You see, the problem is, it's like when we keep delaying things and we, and we, and we won't look at possibility. What ends up happening is we, we, we begin the lie and we begin the lie of the self. And, and, you know, uh, I was actually reading a quote It's funny. It was from primal fear. Edward Norton's character says it, I think, but it's like a man who wears two, two masks will eventually forget which one is his, his own face, essentially mm. something like that. I misquoted, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's something like it. that, yeah, yeah. but you, you know, be careful of the mask you wear, essentially. Be careful of the person you pretend to be. Eventually, you pretend long enough, you'll start to think that's you. And the problem with uh, pretending to be someone is that that, that false uh, idea of who you are will let you down 100% of the time because it isn't you and it isn't true. And the only parts that will actually fulfill you are the parts that you remain truthful about who you really are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's lots of reasons why we don't leave the country or move or, you know, or go travel that thing or do this thing we really wanted to do is because there's something else holding us in place. And we don't want to let go of who we think we're supposed to be or who we think we are. And like, you know, sometimes it's like going, I mean, if you, if you knew, if you asked that question, like what would happen if I knew I was going to die this year, you might go, well, I quit my fucking job today. I would call my employer and I'd say, I'm not showing up tomorrow. I'm going and I'm doing this. So, maybe a year is not conducive to you making the best moves. Maybe you need to put into a three year thing going, okay, well I would work my job for one more year, but I would set myself up to do something else so that, you know, I quit my job in a year and in a year I'd quit it if I knew it was three years. And maybe that's a little better for you than doing the one year thing. Right. But if you live like you're going to live till the end of your life, here's the thing. You, we also forget that to factor in that we're going to lose health most likely as we get older. Mm-hmm. Got to factor that into the equation. Got to look at that, go like, okay, well, if I wait until I'm, you know, 60, 70 years old to start relaxing, you know, how, and, and let's just say, let's just say that you got, you know, uh, type two diabetes, you know, you're in a wheelchair, you got to have an EpiPen wherever you go. Um, you know, you, you're, you're divorced. You're not with anybody anymore. Um, you know, maybe your, your kids don't talk to you. You know, you think about the worst case scenario, like really face the fucking ugly, right? 
Because when you face the ugly, when you face that ugly side of things, you start looking at, okay, well, what can I do right now to live my life? Like, you know, and I, I see this all the time. I mean, I see this with the older generation. I see them like not spending time with their kids. I'll go, well, you know, like, and, and I think people are trying to do it more. They're trying to be a little more mindful about it, but it's like, look, if you don't put in the time now, if you don't do the thing now, your the consequences are coming. This is just life. And you know, when your kid doesn't want to talk to you and isn't there for you, don't expect that they just should be because you didn't, you weren't there for them when they needed you, you know? And so like, you know, what I, what I am doing in my own life. And the reason why I'm I'm so passionate about this is I'm changing the paradigm of how I do Mm. the way I, the way I'm being, the way I'm living. And I realized that there's certain things. And I think I took certain risks and I made certain choices that were, you know, that were the high road, but I made certain choices that were the low road. And I have to look at those low road choices. And I got to go, you know what, let's get real, Brandon. Like, let's get real. What are you doing here? How are you living? And are you, you know, and, and, and are you willing to go down the low road anymore? Like, let's look at the consequences of what the low road is. Yeah. Right. And, and let's start to be a little bit more grateful and a little more appreciative of the high road you have taken. Cause that's another thing we need to look at. We do do the high road. We're not like very few of us are all low road. Yeah. And and also by the way, few of us are also all all high high road. road. Yeah. And there's a spectrum. It's not like there are two roads. There's a really, really low, the lowest road you can go. And there's the highest road you can go. We're somewhere in between. We're not like, you know, and the people who live in the highest road, they're probably like extremists who die at like 20, you know, like they're a little, it's too extreme. You know what I mean? Like they put their life in too much risk and too much peril. That's not good either. But like some people live so low that they, they make themselves sick and have an onset heart attack at like in their early twenties. So that's the really low road. So like we got to find a spectrum in there, you know, have a little ice cream where you're traversing the cliff of your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Having a little ice cream while traversing the cliff of your dreams. You can that, quote, you can quote you, that. Yeah, that's, that's something right there. You know, I, it's all, you know, we talk, you know, our tagline for this show is where artistry meets industry. And I feel like so much of our conversations turn into this, this whole thing of finding the balance you know, we say artistry and industry, but I mean, like it's that, that could be so many different things. Artistry and industries, I think often representative of, you know, uh, our life in a lot of ways. It's just like, well, what's the artistry in the industry of this, you know, the artistry in the industry of living, you know, it's, uh, and I remember there's, there's a great thing I heard from Dan Millman. He said, it's like, live with your head in the clouds, but your feet on the ground, Mm. which is like, yeah, like be a dreamer, you know, envision, be like, think big, great things, you know, dream for big, great things, but keep your feet on the ground. Don't forget to, you know, water the plants and pay the rent. (laughs) Right. Kind of thing, you know, like, like, yeah, yeah. Handle, handle the stuff that needs to be handled, but like, don't ever, you know, take your head out of the clouds. Don't ever stop being a dreamer. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the thing is, is like, you know, dreams are best done awake. You know, like if you're sleeping through life, 
you know, none of this stuff is really happening. I mean, it's just an idea. And if you're, if you're awake in life, but you have no, you know, no wonder, no imagination, no, uh, you know, uh, no flexibility too rigid. I mean, you become so grounded that you're, you can never fly, you know? And there's this kind of like, uh, there's this thing like there is, there is a reality to living your dreams. And I think sometimes the dreamers, the people who talk all idealistic, they talk as though there is no reality to it. And I think it pisses off the realists because they go, yeah, but you're going to have to go through the thorny bushes and traverse the cliffs and you might end up broke and alone and da, 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 whatever. Yeah. You know? And so the realist goes, you know, and is looking at all that stuff and the, and the idealist is going, or the, you know, they're looking and they're going, yeah, but it'll be wonderful. It'll be this experience. The thing is, is what you want to do is you want to develop a certain kind of, at the same time, you got to have a certain kind of grit. If you want to be a dreamer, you know, you got to kind of be like, okay, know the thorns are coming. Know, know that there'll be some challenges, know that there'll be some adversities, but like, but, but like, be like, okay, well, you know, when the thorns come, when the hardship comes, I'm going to walk through it. Like, like, I think the thing is, is that the, uh, the fault of the idealist, the dreamer is that they look at it like it's all going to be wonderful. Yeah. And that's just not how it is going to be. It's not all going to be wonderful. It's not all going to be feel good. And the realist looks at it like, like these, these hardships, these adversities might come and they might be too much for me. And the thing is, is I want to say to the realist is you don't know until you get there. And if you live a life untested, if you live a life that doesn't face any adversity, what kind of life is that? You know, what kind of, like, what kind of life is that, that where you just existed? How, how will you know you? How will you have had any experience? I mean, I think that, I think that in theory, we all, you know, we believe we all want to be happy and joyful and feel good, but we only know feel good based on feeling pain. We only know through having juxtaposition. And so I think it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like, do, do what's necessary to take care of your business as you go through life. Like, you know, every dollar you make, put 10% aside, you know, take money and put it aside. Don't ever get yourself into debt. If you can avoid it, negative debt, at least for the most part, um, you know, avoid that. Look at how far you can actually extend yourself. Um, you know, uh, be, you know, be grounded, accept that you're going to have to rest. Sometimes there is reality to whatever you want to do. At the same time, test yourself, push yourself out there a little bit, try it out. You know, and, and the thing is, this risk is, is like risk is done many, many, many times over. It's not done once. Don't, don't ever put all your resources on a game of pitch and toss when you've never put your resources on any bet whatsoever. Yeah. Do many little bets, learn, to, to learn to dabble before you take bigger risks, learn to, you know, and, and don't, don't gamble without like big risks, things that you aren't willing to lose when you haven't done your due diligence, when you haven't done your, you know, and you got to be willing to venture into the unknown, but you also have to kind of only go so far into the unknown that you still have kind of a touchback point where you can go, okay, well, 
I'm in, I'm in an area where I don't really know here, but like, I kind of still know how to get back home. I still kind of know how to get back to the main road or how to get, you know, whatever. Cause like, if you go too far out, you know, I think that's what people worry about. And I think the idealist runs out there and they lose sight of the road. They lose sight of like groundedness and they run out there. And then they're like, this isn't what I fucking thought it would be. They get so discouraged, so disillusioned that they go back and they go, I never take a risk again. Yeah. Meanwhile, the realists stuck so close to the road, they never invention ventured outside of the safety net, outside of the security that they, they always just live a whole life going, what if I, what if I went out there? What if I tried it? What if I ventured out? And what I'm saying is don't do either of those. Find a balance in between, find a middle, keep, keep your eye on where you need to be. But at the same time, go a little outside of what you know, you know, venture out a little bit, you know, and, and that's, that's, what's going to give you kind of the, the muscle, the, the ability to, to leave home a little bit and to, um, to find you. Yeah. But if you run out there willy nilly, you know, taking this risk, putting everything on this, like, you know, like you think about those new actors, you know, people come out, they're like, I'm going to be a famous actor and that's what I'm going to do. And you know, it, 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 very, very occasionally happens for people right off the bat. They run out there and they get super discouraged. And then they, you know, is only a few years or whatever. And they quit Yeah. because they, you know, they ran out so idealistic without being kind of grounded in the reality a little bit. The, the actors, a lot of my friends who are actors are booking like leads in series or big parts in series now, but they've had, they've been very grounded. They stayed the course. They've been, they've done the long run. You know, they've, they've been practicing, they've been doing the courses, they've been putting the time in yeah. and they stuck with it. And, you know, a, a lot of them have been involved in acting for, I'd say a good, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And now they're beginning to get, you know, what they want. I actually, uh, and one last thing I'll say about this, I ran into one of my friends who, you know, has booked a pretty major role on a television so- show here. And, um, th- you know, they're going to come on the show actually. And they said, uh, you know, I got this show and what I, the first thing I really discovered or what I've discovered since was that nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> they were like, I always thought people knew what they were doing. It was just like, it's just amazing how we're all kind of just flying by the seat of our pants here. Yeah. And I was like, isn't that interesting? And they were like, yeah, you know, because that's the thing. I think we have this assumption that, um, that when we get there, we'll know you won't, you're still going to be blind, but just be honest that you're blind. Just be honest. Cause that's really like where, that's where, that's what helps you not lose so much sight of, of what you actually, you know, like, uh, you know, just, just, just don't be too idealistic. Don't be too realistic. Find a balance between those two, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, I would say like, we talked about it recently as well as this whole idea of like people who call themselves realists or whatever. It's like, it's not always realism. It's sometimes it's like, it's actually just, you know, pessimism or cynicism that they put a veil of law being realistic. And it's like, ah, you're not really being realistic either. Right. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm working with someone right now and, you know, very, very beautiful young actress who's, you know, had a lot of success very early and that will happen, you know, for, for young actresses. Sometimes, you know, you got the look, um, you know, and, and the world will kind of open its doors. I mean, the world's set up that way. And we had a big talk about this and she was telling me a little bit about her journey and her struggle. And she says, you know, 
I'm, I'm very careful about who I'm nice to, like who I'm, you know, who I give too much attention to because she's like, you know, she's found that like all these producers, all these people, they want to sleep with her all the time, you know, Mm. and that's just part of what she deals with. And so she, she was, you know, very candidly and very open with me about, um, that part of the reason why she has the opportunities that she has is because, um, people want to sleep with her and she's not going around sleeping with people, but she's very aware and she's honest that this is happening. And I think that I I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of respect for her for that because I look at that and I go, well, you're being honest about how this is working. You're not in the, you know, you're not being like naive and going like, I'm just wonderful and special and better than everybody else. But you're looking at it going, okay, well right now, while I have this opportunity, while I'm young and hot and beautiful, you know, I can, I can walk through a few doors here that maybe other people can't. And one day I might not have this, but for the time being, you know, this is just like, this is just, and, and the thing is, is it, it's ugly. It's an ugly thing. And you know what? Uh, you know, that's part of how this works. But what's interesting with this person is that I look at it as like, you know, uh, being a guy, I, I don't necessarily get to walk into doors like that. You know, I, I have a little bit, but I mean, you know, in our, in our culture, that's a little bit how this film industry works. But what's interesting is someone like that who has an actual kinship or bond with me can, can help me walk into a door that I wouldn't be able to get into. And we can both enter. Right. And if we remain a team, you know, and, and we build teamship, then there's a certain kind of like, okay, well, you know, I can help you like now that I've kind of been, you know, allowed into that room that I might not have been, or made those contacts that might not have had. And so not forgetting that you're the one that helped me get into this door because I probably wouldn't have gone in that door on my own because, you know, but, and, and also it's not necessarily looking at people like they're bad because they want something, just understanding that this is kind of how the world we're dealing with. And it's, it's not always fairy tales and rainbows and wonderful, but the thing is, is like, I think I, I don't think realism and pessimism go together. I think realistic is going, okay, my realism goes like this. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody has something they want. Let's just be honest. Like everybody wants something, whether they know they want it or they don't, but they want something. So my thing is just going, okay, well, let's just be honest. Somebody wants something. Now they're either being forthright with me about what they want, or they're being secretive and they're hiding what they want, or they don't know what they want. And they, they couldn't communicate it if they wanted to, but probably something like that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so to not, to not, um, to not ever think that anybody is not thinking about themselves helps me to navigate this industry a lot better. I have writers ask me all the time, like, how are you doing what you're doing? I'm honest. That's what, that's how I do what I do. I'm honest about the people I work with. I, you know, and I don't make them wrong for it. I don't like, but I'm like, they don't hire me because I'm special because I'm some, they hire me because they want something and I help them get what they want. That's what's happening. It's, it's simple. Yeah. It's not about being special. It's not even about being the best writer, but like, you know, people don't understand that. They don't understand the simple thing. Like if I understood these rules getting into this film industry a lot earlier, I mean, like I'm in some ways I look at my career and go, I'm 10 years behind. I simply, because I didn't understand how the, how it worked. Mm -hmm. So I like, I, 
when I, when I have these like little rants and I'm on this, you know, I'm, I'm talking, I, I always try to talk Good to myself kick. at like 17 and I think, yeah. man, kid, if you knew this, you know, Brandon, 17 year old Brandon, 16 year old Brandon, if you knew this, how much this would help you. So when I, when I talk to people on the other end of the podcast, I go, let me share some of these wisdoms that I've learned through the hard knock of kind of going through it and not having the guidance. And I'll tell you what's been working for me. And it's honesty, you know, be honest, be clear, be real. You don't necessarily have to tell everybody what you're up to all the time, but like, be honest about who you're working with. You know, if someone's hanging out with you all the time and they're asking all these questions, you know, maybe they're interested in you and they want to date you. Maybe they're interested in you because they want to know your process. Maybe they're interested in you because, you know, they have some other sneaky objective, but just be honest. And if you don't know, be honest that you don't know what it is, but don't pretend that, that, that you're just special and let your ego get in there and, and, and think, oh, you know, it's just because I'm wonderful. Don't, don't do that because the industry side of this is, is not like, this is my opinion. I don't think it's pretty, Mm -hmm. but the artistry is beautiful. So you find the beauty and you find, you find how to bring the beauty to the ugliness of industry and the ugliness of you know, selfishness and all of that stuff that we call ugly. It's not that ugly. Like when you start looking at go, okay, this is just how the economy works. This is how things turn. This is how people live their life to be yeah, happy. This is, this is a way that things just, you know, operate right at this time, because it's in some ways it's kind of like, cause this is just the best way that people are comfortable with right now. Yeah. It's like, in, and yeah, bring artistry into the industry is, a, you know, the more we can we can do that the more we, we find better ways of doing things. Right. But there's an, there's there without losing out on some of the wisdom that's been forged from, from that industry side of things. Right. Cause there is a certain, there's usually some sort of a grain of, of truth or some sort of, you know, some sort of a golden, a little golden nugget at the heart of, you know, what looks like an, ugly, dark, beating heart kind of thing, right? There's usually something there, right? And, uh, and yeah, I think we've got to bring as best we can with awareness. You know, you talked about that earlier about like knowing the rules so you can break them. Yeah. It's like, don't be stupid. Don't go like, you know, don't close your eyes and go, go running into, into the cave, hoping that it's all going to work out for the best. You know, have your eyes open, see what's around you, see what you're dealing with, be aware of it, know where you can move, how you can move, how you can push things, where you can, you know, like, don't, don't go in ignorantly when you don't have to, mm-hmm. because the knowledge, if you don't let the knowledge discourage you, I think that's the big thing. It's like, don't let the knowledge discourage you, but not knowing it isn't necessarily going to help you, at least not in the long run. You know, I think that you can operate on a certain, and you can even have a certain level of success working on a level of ignorance. You know, a level of ignorance can make you a bit of a battering ram at times, right? Like you can just like barrel through things. Cause it's like, you don't usually, like, you just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, all right, like, I'm doing this. Screw it. Right. And that you can, you can make some headway with that. 
But eventually you reach a point where it's just like, ah, battering ram's not going to get you through this door. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like, a, you've got to finesse this somehow. You know, you need a grappling hook. You need to go over it. Mm. You need to go around this. You need to like, and, and you'll find yourself in a situation where it's like, I, you don't know what to do because you've been so blind to everything the whole time. You didn't look at the whole picture. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think it all just comes down to, it all comes down to being more honest and, um, you know, and really figuring out, figuring out where you stand, you know, what's, what's the line, you know, that you draw and what's, what's the window in which you function, you know, because, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if someone who you're working with, um, wants to sleep with you it's, that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. The, the, the problem is when you're not honest about it. If you think about it, like, you know, if you don't trust the person, if you think that they would take advantage of you or do something like that, like, listen, I, I, I'm going to give you a little reality here. Like uh, people on the other end, I was down in Los Angeles. I was out with, you know, uh, a producer and I turned my head around. I was over at their place and they were putting something in my drink. I kid you not. I, I said, Jeez. what the hell are you doing out? They're like, I just want you to have a good time. I'm pretty sure they were trying to put ecstasy or something into my drink. Either way, that's not okay with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it was a big fucking wake up call for me to go, oh, okay, well, you know, and I knew this person was gay, right? I wasn't. I, I, I had a sense that maybe they wanted to sleep with me or wanted something like that. So, you know, that's not cool, right? That's not okay. But the thing is, is, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you, you, you know, you have a certain amount of trust. You have a certain amount of being naive. If you're aware, you know, you start looking and you start going, okay, look, like trust is a, trust is a fickle little thing you know, how do you know who to trust and when to trust and whatever, you you know, you want it. That's why I say, keep your eye on the road a little bit, you know, keep your eye on, uh, you know, know what your, know what your out is in certain situations. You know, you want to go out to, uh, you know, especially for the young women out there, you want to go out to some producer, some big actors party, something like that, you know, have a backup plan. How are you getting out of there? You know, where are you going? Right friend, a couple of friends of mine, they were on a boat with, uh, you know, some people got weird on the boat. You're out in the middle of the ocean. What are you going to do? You're not swimming back. How do you deal with that? Right? So think about how you're putting yourself into positions, right? Where you're vulnerable in this industry, where you're vulnerable in life, in business. It doesn't have to just be an artistry. When are you putting, when are you putting trust into somebody, right? And, and don't just give away trust, you know, have it be earned, you know, and this is the kind of thing you start to realize, okay, well, I got one person on this boat with me or one person at this party with me that I know I can count on. So if shit gets weird, I'm going, if this person leaves, I'm leaving with them. I'm not hanging out here alone. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you start to figure out that in this world, there, um, there are people out there who are not honest, who have malicious intent, who have very self-involved intent, you know, and don't, don't ever create a situation where you could ever be a victim. 
and set yourself up to understand what are they really going for? Be really honest about that. Like if you're hanging out with a producer and you know, like this is particularly for the young women and you have a sense that this person wants to sleep with you, hanging out with a guy, period. And you get the sense that he wants to sleep with you. Be honest about that with yourself. Don't pretend that you know, don't pretend anything's not there. Just be real about it. It doesn't make them a bad person. doesn't make anything wrong. Pay attention to their behavior. How do they treat other people? What do they do? How do they talk? And if you have red flags come up, pay attention to that shit. You know what I mean? Because the people I work with now, I'd say for the most part are really solid fucking people, people I vouch for and I count on. But you know what? The bigger things get, the more, the more auxiliary people get involved the more there's less people I can account for. And you know, and, and my dad told me something when I was younger. He said, you're guilty by association. You know, you associate with someone, they do something shitty in some ways because you associate with them. You are guilty by that association. That wasn't just from him. I mean, that was something he learned. I find that to be absolutely true. You got to be mindful of who you associate with. So when you're associating for someone, or if you're going to vouch for someone, or if you're going to say whatever, remember that you're putting your name on the line with them. And if they're getting up to shit, you don't like, you need to be able to walk away and not, and be willing to give up what you think you're going to get out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. And as you build that integrity, build that line, what ends up happening is you can, you can attract more of the people who are really good for you because they're, you know, there are producers out there. There are people out there. They're not just producers. I'm just the people out there who are up to like shady things. But my, my thing is, is there are also producers out there who just want to tell a really good story and they want to make a shitload of money doing it. And I want to be around the people that want to tell the best story and want to make a lot of money. You know, I want the people who, you know, are honest with me, who have integrity, who are, who, you know, when I'm around them, like, or when I'm not around them, I know they're not going to get up to something fucked up or messed up. And that, you know, I'm going to be associated with them as a friend. So I'm very mindful of that, which is part of the reason why certain things have opened up doors for me in my career, this integrity, this certain line of like being real. If I would have learned certain things like that, and I wouldn't like, I mean, I used to think when I was like in my early twenties and my late teens, I used to think that certain things were happening and it sounds so stupid to say this right now, but I just thought I was special. Mm. And I, I look back, oh God, what was I thinking? But I wasn't thinking, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, is that mostly it just got me into trouble and mostly it just didn't allow me to understand how things worked. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I just feel like I feel like being special, that whole thing, maybe we should do that as a topical one. That should be a topic one. Cause maybe like, next, yeah. 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 Being special. That's a, cause that's a whole nother beast to, to tackle. It's a big ways. millennial issue. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. 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 Anyone Definitely. who's a millennial is like, is facing that challenge. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, it's, uh, certainly we've been, it's been well, well put to us as to the millennial generation. And it's just like, your problems are you don't think you're special. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, we were kind of raised that way. Um, it's, you know, there's, <laughs> there, is, there is a certain, I mean, there's a certain good thing about thinking you're special. There's yes. a certain kind of benefit that comes out of that, but there's just consequences. There's too, consequences so. that, you know, we're not, um, we were not made pre- uh, aware of the reality too. Yeah. Um, 
man, this podcast has flown by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have, uh, well, what are you, what are you thinking? I, I don't know if I've got necessarily anything. I've got nothing that's like in my mind that's just jumping out to, uh, to say we've covered some really interesting ground. Yeah. 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 It's been good. I mean, we talked a lot about like there, you know, I mean, I guess I went on a kind of a rant there at the end, but I think, you know, those are good. Speech. Speech. <laughs> Speech. Slow clap, maybe. Um, no, but you know, I, when I, when I go on those, I always think about myself when I started in this, in this film industry and I, and I just think about what I needed to hear, you know, what would have been so useful for me to hear. And I think that's why I get so impact, like impassioned about this. I just, I just want people to, to, to just be ahead of the game, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want it to be so hard for them to learn the lessons. And I know that, you know, telling people something is much different than them experiencing it. And you can tell people things over and over and they'll never hear you until they experience it. I get it. But there's probably someone out there who's listening, going, taking note, going, okay, I get it. I'm going to, I'm going to be mindful. Of that. I'm going to pay attention to that, you know? And I think if you, if you are, you'll save yourself a lot of time. You'll, you'll make life a lot easier on yourself. And I think that if you're listening to a podcast, you know, maybe you're, you're curious, maybe you want to open your mind a little bit, but I think, you know, you're, you're listening to us maybe talk because you want to make this a little bit easier to do what you want. You know, you you can use this as a, as a tool to just make it a little bit easier for you to navigate and get what you want. And so when I talk about this stuff, don't, don't, don't fight with it. Like, you know, gravity sucks me to the ground. I don't need to get upset about gravity. I could, I could be all pissed off and be like, well, I can't fly because of fucking gravity. Like I could do that. <laughs> no, but seriously. Yeah. I suppose but that's so. kind of yeah, how yeah, we yeah. do life. When, when, when you find out like, oh, all these producers, they just want to sleep with the, you know, it's like, well, just understand it's like gravity. That's a part of the reason why a lot of shit gets made to be honest. And it's just gravity. It doesn't need to be a bad thing in and of itself. It's what you do with it. Look, if I jump off uh, a really high cliff, onto hard ground, I'm probably going to fucking get hurt or die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, you know, understand that if you put yourself on the edge of a cliff and force yourself to jump off of it, probably bad things are going to happen. Just like in this industry, if you put yourself in a dangerous position, you, you risk something bad happening to you because sometimes it's, you know, you're around things and they just work that way. And uh, like, like, I think that the, the, the young people, we get into this industry, especially if we're like not in Hollywood and we're not in that kind of industry, we don't know, but we get into this with such wonder and such optimism and idealism and hope and joy. And, and, you know, we really, we really truthfully want to be really great actors who make a difference. And, and we have an impact we want to make a lot of us, you know? And I think we, when we, when we do that, we project that a lot of other people want that too. And a lot do. And who we tend to associate with will probably be attracted to that. And they probably exemplify that. So we think that's how it works. But the thing is, is that, you know, remember that some people are in this industry, not because they care about stories, not because they just see it as a way to make a lot of money. And they see it as a way to meet a lot of hot chicks and get laid. And they see it as a way to feel powerful and a way to get recognition. And they don't care about the things that you care about. Does that mean that they 
that does that mean that they're bad or wrong or that you shouldn't work with them? Not necessarily, but you've got to be honest about it. You got to be honest. Like, you know, okay. I'm going to give you an example just to, to express this. I was out with a producer. We were talking to an investor. They were going to invest in this public company, the public, the, the producer pitches what the public company is about. That's all this. The guy who's the potential investor, um, he says, well, if you got any questions about it, you know, you're going to ask me, I'll tell you. And the guy had no questions. They moved on. And we talked about some other things afterwards. Um, the producer said, I'm not, I'm not working with that person. And I said, really? Why? Everything seemed to go so well. He said, well, there's one key point. He said, when I asked him if he wanted to know more about how we do this and what the pitch was, he had no questions about it. yet at the end of it, he wanted to invest. He's like, if he really cared about what we were doing, he would ask questions about that. Since he didn't, I can tell that there's something like, and he had suspicions about this person going in. He said, you know, and I thought, you know, that's such an interesting thing. Hmm. He didn't even realize it, but the test was, he was testing him. He was trying to see, cause he knew, he knew to look for that, that, you know, it's not just about the money. It's also about who you're working with. It's about their intent. It's about honesty. And he didn't feel this person was being very forthright. Yeah. And underst- having a real understanding and appreciation of the value of that. Right. Like money is just one part of it. Right. You know, we always think it's like that. That's the whole part. We always put, put money as like, we always give money way too big of an importance in, in our lives. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understanding the value of, of, yeah, good people, people who have ethics, integrity, people who care, who are passionate, you know, what that brings into the equation is huge. And, you know, and I, I think the moral of the story here is don't be scared to ask people questions. Their mm-hmm. answers will tell you everything. And don't be scared to look at the questions people ask as well, because people's questions will tell you everything as well. You know, if someone is asking you a question, what they're actually telling you is that they're curious about something. They're, you know, they're actually, there's something between the lines. When they're asking you the question, there's something that they actually want with the question. And when someone answers something, they're going to reveal, you know, they're going to reveal something about themselves. So when you want to understand people, um, really just kind of take a moment and assess like what's between the lines of the question. What's between the lines of the answer. Like if you don't feel like someone's, if you feel like someone's dodging you, when you ask them a question, take note, doesn't necessarily mean you make a decision, but take note. This person seems to dodge. When I ask this question, find another opportunity, ask the question again, they dodge it again. Okay. Why are they dodging it? Ask yourself that get curious about that. Don't make assumptions, but look, and, and also, um, you know, if someone's asking a question, that's very telling about where they're at and what they're thinking. You know, um, I, I, I you know, I found like people will work with me, they'll, you know, they'll pay several thousand dollars to work with me at a time and, you know, more. Um, a lot of the time when I'm working with someone who is just really like motivated and passionate and ready, they don't even ask the price. I actually have to go, okay, but by the way, in case this is an issue, this is how much it's going to, this is the investment. And they go, Oh, okay. Okay. No worries. They, they, a lot of the time I have to bring it up because they're so focused on what they want to do. Yeah. When someone comes to me and they ask me immediately how much money it is, what, what are they telling me? You're telling me that you have, 
your biggest concern is money. What you're telling me about you is regardless of what it costs is that your biggest concern is money. Mm-hmm. So I always say the same thing to them. Every time I say this, it's zero because I don't know if I want to work with you yet. Cause it's not about if it's, if this is about money, if money's going to be the main decision, then we're probably not going to work together. Yeah. Cause sometimes some of my courses, hundred bucks and their courses are seven grand. You know, some of my courses are free, right? Yeah. So if your decision is how much money it costs, that tells me a lot about where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because to, if you really want something, money is the last thing on the table. It's the least of a concern. Yeah. But if you don't know if you want something, money is a very high concern. So what are you telling me saying, well, I don't know if I want this yet. Great. That's fine. You don't have to know if you want it yet. What you're telling me though, is you're, you know, it's something between the lines. So this is the thing that I, you know, kind of want to impart onto people is that there's a lot of information out there. If you're honest with yourself and, pe- and, and you're around honest people, it makes life a lot easier. And especially if people are being honest with you and start to surround you, the more honest you are, the easier it is to call bullshit. But when you're not being honest, it's a lot harder to call bullshit. It's a lot harder to, you know, see between the weeds, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. See through the weeds. <laughs> nice. Okay. What do you want to leave people with, man? Um, <laughs> You know, for myself, the thing that really sticks out in this conversation for me is going back to this whole thing of sort of motivation and how we're motivating ourselves, what we're, we're using as our motivation and, uh, and about deepening our connection to an intrinsic motivation to, to what we're doing, Mm. you know, to getting connected to that. What would we do if it was never going to necessarily result in anything. Cause it's not to say that it's not, obviously it's going to result in something, right? What we do is going to result in something, but, um, just in keeping our attachments in check, you know, for, for what we're doing, like, and, and making sure that we're doing things for, for the better reasons, you know, taking the high road, right? The, the, the road of high reasons, <laughs> the high road of high reasons. Um, yeah, to me, that was the most interesting thing about this conversation was just, and, and for me to, you know, my own personal sort of like, oh, wow, I can see how within my own life, my, the reason I was doing things changed. And through that changing, how that, how that changed my attitude, how that changed the way I was going about things, how that changed emotionally, how I was connected to everything. And, you know, I don't necessarily regret it, you know, even though I see it's like, oh, I can see sort of the error that, that occurred in there as, as far as my perspective and, and my way of thinking. Uh, I don't regret it because it's, I, I, I feel like in many ways I had that experience to teach me a certain sense of that intrinsic motivation, Mm. that sense of it's like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, sometimes you need to, you need to go, you need to journey to that edge in order to understand how to not go in that direction or to understand it for, you know, I feel there's a reason why I've, I've had that experience of, of having these different reasons why I was doing things and how that changed me. And yeah. So to me, it's, 
it's really about, yeah, the, the thing I'd really want to, want to hammer home is just like really get connected to what the thing is that you love about what you do, you know, and, and reconnect to that. If you feel like you've been disconnected from it, because it doesn't mean, you know, maybe you're doing something, you know, you're in your, your craft, you're in your art and it's, doesn't have the same meaning for you. It doesn't have the same joy for you. It doesn't have this, you know, you don't have the same confidence with it. Something's just gone a bit awry with the whole thing. Maybe you don't understand why. And it's like, well, maybe look at your motivations Hmm. as the first thing. What, like, what is the thing that's driving you to do this right now? And is it for some, is it for something external? Is it for some result that you want to have happen? And if it is time to go back, back to basics, what brought you to it? in the first place, you know, and it's just go back to that place of being a kid and doing it because why it was fun. Mm. You enjoyed it. How can you just enjoy it again? Do you enjoy it anymore just for doing it? And, and if not get honest, right. Do you just enjoy it anymore? Maybe not. That's okay. That's just, it's just a new path. It's just a new direction to take, right. It doesn't mean that everything's over. Yeah. It's like, it's just a different path now. At least, you know, you're not going along this path on like this futile path, really Hmm. should be like, Oh, well, at least, you know, that now you actually don't really care about it that much anymore. Great. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. You can stop wasting your time on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it does. I think that's the big thing I want to leave people with is being honest is like, uh, you know, be honest with yourself about why you're doing what you're doing. And if anything you're doing is contingent on something else, then you're, you know, you're, you're going down a path that's, that's kind of a dead end because if you get it, it's over. And if you don't get it after a certain point, you're going to get frustrated and it's over either way. If it's contingent, it's just a dead end road. The only way to make, to, to, to get on the super highway, to get on this path, that's, you know, that, that you, that doesn't have a finish that just like, you know, you're flying through life is when you're doing something simply for the, um, experience of not just the experience of doing it, but the, you find purpose in doing it. You find joy in doing it. You find a certain kind of autonomy, meaning you can do it your own way in it. You can, you can master it like, or attempt to master it. You know, you never will, but you can always improve yourself in it. If you're doing it for those reasons, you know, you'll be on that super highway. And I think it's about being honest. So I, I, you know, I would, I would say for people moving forward is to look at, it's like, okay, if you had all the money you wanted, all the money you ever needed, would you still do what you were doing? What would you do? And then ask that question about the death. If I was to die, if I knew I was going to die at the end of today, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, if I knew I was going to die at the end of the week, then I, I was going to die at the end of the month, the end of the year, the end of three years, five, ten. 30 end of my life that I expect. Yeah. What kind of decisions? And it's going to be kind of, you know, you got to run through it over and over and over again. And you're going to start to find a balance. You're going to start to figure out where you want to live, how, how immediate and what your plan is. You start to get clear, you know, but I think it all starts to come down to honesty. And and then when you start looking at that, you know, you're going to, you're going to begin to have clarity on this stuff. I think the other thing too, is things that are contingent, are not just a dead, dead end, but actually are demotivating. Yeah. Because, um, if you get rewards, 
then what ends up happening is rewards become normalized and you expect at least that reward for the next thing. And if you don't get it or won't get it, then you're going to be demotivated. And the other thing too is you need to get more and more and more. And it becomes a point where it always hits a tipping point. It hits a ceiling where there can't be any more. And so if it, you know, eventually you create an addiction, you create an addiction to external rewards. So, um, internal rewards are infinite. They're always inside. You don't need something else. You know, um, for example, if you're excited about solving the Rubik's cube and you've never done it before, it can be very fun to try and figure it out. Now you might go online and kind of get some help and get someone to kind of teach you like what you need to do. And then you can kind of figure it out. But once you've done it, once you know how to solve the Rubik's cube and you can do it easily, it's not as interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty simple. And so that this is like a magic trick. So you got to kind of, um, don't, don't create a scenario where you take all the magic out of what you do, you know? Um, and, and part of that is the magic is infinite inside. It's always magical inside, but outside, um, externally, you know, once you get the fast car, you win the award, you get the thing, it, it ceases to be amazing anymore. And, um, you know, you can only replicate that thing so many times before you lose total interest in it. And that's just the human psychology. That's not, that's not even theory. That's just how we work. Yeah. So, um, what I would, what I would ask people to do is go and, and, and break things down into three things. What do I do for basic survival? What do I do for reward and punishment or not for reward and punishment? And what do I do? Because I actually just like doing it and I want to do it. So if you're like solving crossword puzzles, that's probably an intrinsic reward because that's not based on survival and it's not based on reward, you know, unless you're telling your friends about it and your friends think you're so great or something, right? (laughs) So find out the things you really want. And then if the things that are important to you, if you're not doing them intrinsically, you know, alter that relationship, get it out of reward and punishment and get it into intrinsic. Beautiful. That's that's what I got to say. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's been another one of these PE casts, huh? Yeah, it All right. Um. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.